0: This This is the Second Second Story Podcast.
1: On this week's Second Story Podcast, while lying on his deathbed, Dion Walton is forced to examine what's important in life. Will he give up or will he choose to fight one more battle? Dion was born in the Englewood neighborhood on Chicago's south side in the early 1950s. He's an accomplished female performer and impersonator, having performed in clubs such as Park West and Touche. He opened for such acts as the Weather Girls. His life's second act has led to an accomplished writing career, and he performs occasionally at the Old Town School of Folk Music. This story, titled Dead You Say, Okay, was performed at Second Story's event on October 14th at Webster's Wine Bar in Lincoln Park. The theme of the evening was Live Through This, stories from the School of Hard Knocks. The show was directed by Nick Diamond and curated by Bobby Budriskie. It was produced by Katie Pryor and features a sound design from Eric Hazen. And now, Second Story presents, Dion Walton. I awoke to a tall,
0: slender white woman with medium length auburn hair. She was my nurse practitioner. Julia, assigned to the unpleasant task of informing me I had passed out at work and was brought to this unbelievable world of the Cook County Public Health system. Her face, her face saddened as she continued to tell me that my HIV virus had progressed and I had AT cells and a viral load of 50 million trillion billion, zillion, and rising. My prognosis? Death. I could die at any moment. I had a, and I also had a viral load lo- bug in my intestines that was eating my insides, a heart rash on my back, and a cancerous virus called on my left foot called Kaposi saccoma that was eating my foot alive. I know, right? (laughs) And to make matters even worse, I was allergic to all available cocktails, and each one was pushing me closer to that final moment. Knowing I was now susceptible to every known virus on Earth, the Cook County Hospital looked even less sanitary than I remembered. (laughs) Julia, fearing the worst, instructed them to load me into a city ambulance and take me to the Oak Forest nursing home located at 159th and Cicero. It was an hospice connected with the Cook County hospital system, and it it was quite evident, quite clear, that this was to be my last stop. The home looked like a country club. There were deer and ducks, a beautiful landscape. It was a cold wintry night in March of 2000. Arriving inside as they rolled me into my new room, they took me through a doorway that read morgue. <laughs> my heart dropped. I mean, would not yours. I passed through a concrete basement where I imagined that I was, would soon reside. My feelings, my feelings turned to hopelessness, loneliness, and fear. When I got to my floor, they pushed me into a pristine single room where I laid in silence feeling that this was it. The room was dark, quiet and smelled like a mixture of pine and old people. I started to cry, and as I cried, my mind flowed back. My memory started to drift, and I was sitting in my mother's living room at the age of eight, watching a television program called Shing Dig. Sitting in front of a flickering light, I saw three slender women performing a song entitled stop in the name of love. Mama, who is that person in the middle? Oh, that's someone named Dinah Ross. When I grow up, I want to be just like her. You can't. She's a girl and you're not. I remember thinking, I'll show her. (laughs) You see, growing up, on the south side of Chicago in the Englewood neighborhood, I fought my way to the north side with a dream of someday becoming a superstar like that of Diana Ross. By the age of 24, I had developed a career as a professional female impersonator, not only in Chicago, but around the country, working for over 25 years. As I laid in the darkness, my memory shifted again to the day I hosted a citywide lip-sync contest at the Park West I opened the show in a red Balenciaga with a gigantic flowing red duster I came from the back of the room running through an electrified crowd performing Dinah Ross's hit chain reaction in a flash my thoughts turned Quickly as I was traveling with the starlight dinner theater performing to sold-out rooms around the country People dined as I performed not only Diana as Diana, but Lena Horne Dionne Warwick Tina Turner and a half-naked Las Vegas type Josephine Baker (laughs) I smiled as I remembered when they first asked me to be naked on stage I thought, me half naked? I don't think so. But there I was, with the audience ooing and awing my every step. In a flash, I was at Touche's, clad in leather, emceeing a benefit for the HIV organization called Beehive. Then my thoughts turned to 10 years earlier, when I had been told that I had this disease. I wanted to commit suicide. I was there about to take that step in front of the 22 bus when I smiled and stopped. My vanity stopped me from taking that deadly step. After all, my face could get crushed and I wouldn't be able to have an open coffin. (laughs) And that just would not do. (laughs) Back in my bed, I really I thought I really should have ended it then finally I must have drifted off because I felt my body and soul being filled with thoughts of the Wiz one of my fave Diana movies wake up mr. Walton time for your breakfast you need to eat and take your little soldiers said a smiling woman I woke with a jar I couldn't believe it I I was I was awake Then reality set in. I was still there. And who in the hell is this person that had woke me? I thought, little soldiers, what the hell is that? (laughs) And who is this person trying to tell me to get up and eat? How are you feeling this bright and wonderful morning? Oh, my God, it's fucking fabulous. It's a fucking fabulous morning. How the hell do you think I feel? I feel fucking fine. I'm in a morgue, aren't I? (laughs) Don't be silly, she exclaimed in a happy bird-like voice. You're in a hospital bed. Why do you think you're in a morgue? When I arrived, I remember going through a door that read, Oh, everyone comes in that way. I soon learned that I had been wakened by my new doctor, Dr. Karen. She was a short Jewish woman that had the most beautiful sea-green eyes that I had ever seen. They had a warm, assuring look about them. I could tell that she realized that I had given up on any kind of future. So, Mr. Walton, what do we have to do to get you out of this bed? Why should I get up? I'm ready to die. Isn't that what everyone is waiting for? You're not dead until you're dead. Now you're getting out of this bed, and you're going to the movie room, and you're going to meet people. I don't want to go, and I'm not going. Oh, yes, you are. And furthermore, you're going to get up every day and walk around. If I'm not giving up on you, neither are you but I can't walk. (laughs) Then you're going to get in a wheelchair and wheel around, but you're getting out of this room. In the weeks to come, things would get worse before they got better. I suffered a heart attack, and I experienced drug addiction because I had to take a drug every day at a certain time. Each day, I got it later and later, and soon I suffered withdrawals. One morning, I went to the bathroom to wash my face, looked in the mirror, and to my horror, one side of my face had slid to my chin. They said that I had something called Bell Palsy. Then there was the loss of any kind of feeling in my feet, a side effect of the medication I had been taking. It seemed like each day I woke was bringing me closer to death. I woke, as I woke, I was, it was bringing me closer to death. This was enough to make anyone throw in the towel. But there was Dr. Karen every week on my ass making me do what she felt she need, I needed to do. I want you to watch the movie in the movie room tonight. I don't want to go. I'm too weak to sit in the wheelchair. Oh. The next thing I knew, she was wheeling my bed down the hall into the movie room as she smiled with me screaming and protesting the entire way. I decided then and there that I either had to die, kill her, or get better and get the hell away from her. As the days went on, I found myself in a familiar space, fighting. Fighting like I had fought to escape the south side of Chicago. Fighting like I did to prove to my mother that I could be whomever I wanted to be. Fighting as I had been the past 10 years against the disease that had claimed the lives of so many before me. I was not going to let this disease win. You see, treating HIV has come a long way. In the early 90s, it was hopeless to believe that you could live past six months, let alone 10 years. Dr. Karen had reminded me of who I was and stirred in me the courage I had within. Within a month, I had moved out of the death room into a room with roommates. There was a picture window that looked out upon a beautiful bare oak tree. Every morning, I woke up to this tree. I began to think of it as a living tree. As the tree grew lust with leaves, so did my health. Within weeks, I was up walking around and doing better than anyone could have imagined, including myself. I was fighting and I was winning. A month later, I was released and on my way home, traveling with, the, with a heart full of joy. I sensed that I had a new lease on life. During the ride, I was reminded of past accomplishments, such as being the opening act for the Weather Girls at the Vic Theater, as well as the opening act for Sylvester at the now-closed Paradise Lounge in Lakeview, suddenly I found myself humming a tune from Diana's movie. I was truly easy on down the road.
1: That was Dionne Walton. If his story gives you ideas for your own Second Story, we'd love to hear them. Join us on November 24th at the Underground Wonder Bar in Chicago's River North neighborhood for our annual Thanksgiving celebration. Or for fans in Michigan or Minnesota, join us on December 2nd for Second Story on the Road. For more information on these events or for information on how to get involved with Second Story, you can visit us at our website at secondstory.com. That's 2ndstory.com. This podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer-Diamond, Bobby Badrisky, Nick Diamond, Eric Hazen, Katie Pryor, the Second Story Publishing Committee, Danielle Ezel, Sherry Pentamone, C.P. Chang, and myself. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening.